Hello, 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 and welcome back to the optometrymarketing.com podcast. This is Tyler. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Scott Allison, OD, MBA. Uh, Scott and I actually met almost a decade ago, which is crazy to think about when we were both doing our MBAs at Anderson University in Indiana. Scott is the Vice President of Professional Services for My Eye Doctor. Uh, in this episode, we talk with Scott about leading a team, specifically for all of you practice owners, general managers, um, sole proprietors, right? If you own a practice, you work with patients, gosh, this is a great resource for you. Um, we talk about his experience growing uh, a practice at the time was ASAP Eye Care from two to 47 uh, locations and then various transitions within his career. We also talk about uh, leadership from the Butler way, uh, books and podcasts that have influenced his leading style. And then at the beginning, where Scott is actually down at SECO, S-E-C-O, the conference down in New Orleans, we actually talk about the industry a little bit, what we're seeing from an industry standpoint, some really cool innovations that are happening. So this is a very wide ranging episode. Um, but for those of you who are growing a practice, you want to learn leadership, you want to build a, a successful practice, a successful team, right? Because ultimately your team is what's going to make that practice successful. Man, this is a, a, just a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is my interview with Scott Allison. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the uh, optometrymarketing.com podcast. I'm excited to have you. <laughs> Tyler, it's, a, it's great to be here with you. Uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah. So you are at Seco right now, correct? Down in, it's where New Orleans, right? We are in uh, New Orleans uh, this week, enjoying some great food, great education. And uh, weather's been a little bit hit and miss, but overall, it's been a, a fantastic week and uh, a great week to rekindle a lot of uh, relationships within the industry that we haven't been able to do for about the last 24 months or so. Yeah. Cause we're recording this in what spring of 2022. And so, yeah, so we've, we're, I don't want to say we're over COVID, but like, I think the, the peak COVID seems to have passed at least based on what we're seeing right now. So people are getting back in, in person. Um, you want to fill us in on like what's happening down there, like industry wise, like anything you want to highlight? Uh, um, yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, a ton of great uh, new products coming to market. Uh, really excited about some of the uh, virtual reality technology that, that's out there, especially, especially around uh, visual field testing uh, in our industry. There's just, uh, I was sat in a, a great class this morning, uh, Jeffrey Gerson uh, presented and uh, just a lot of brand new technology and great technology. And it's it's one of the great places to be when you come to SECO uh, because you hear about all of the new technology, the things that are on the roadmap. And uh, to think where our industry is going to be, Tyler, in uh, you know, two years, four years, 10 years, it's, it's going to be incredible what is in front of uh optometry today. And I'm so jealous of those that are entering our profession uh, with the opportunity that they have ahead of them and uh, how they're going to be able to care for their patients in uh, uh, a really a deeper way and, and uh, probably have a much larger scope than what we all we do as a profession today as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you dig in? Uh, I'm intrigued by sort of the VR, AR type stuff. What, I mean, what are you seeing? How do you think it'll change? Like, and again, I know we're sort of in, you know, the first inning here with a lot of this, but like, how's it going to change what, what doctors do on a daily basis? 
you know, I really, when you think about, I'll use the the VR technology as, a, as an example, because I think it's a good one. Uh, you know, VR really allows, um, and I think that this is really important in our industry. It, it allows us to uh, center around our patient mm-hmm. and make the the patient experience uh, a really positive one. So you can imagine, um, and Tyler, I don't know how well you know about a visual field machine, but uh, visual field machines have been in, in our past, a large box and right. uh, they, you know, the test itself takes quite a bit of time to be able to do and uh, to be able to uh, put on a little virtual reality technology and sit in a chair in any way that you normally like to be able to sit versus trying to contort your neck and in, in your uh, body into it. Right. Stick your head in a box. Yeah, absolutely. It just makes it a lot more, um, uh, a lot easier on the patient to be able to focus through the test. And the great thing about it for um, optometry is it doesn't take up any space. You can actually do it anywhere you want to in the office. So you don't have to dedicate additional real estate to be able to have a device like a large visual field machine now. Right. That's awesome. Um, and then how, what's the, I guess, camaraderie uh, like there now that everybody's kind of back together and, you know, was shaking hands or at least maybe fist bumping or whatever, as you kind of go through it, what's that like down there? It's, uh, it's amazing. Actually the engagement in the, in the hall has been uh, fantastic. I was in there this morning. Uh, yeah, you know, I think everybody's pretty much back to, to handshaking and, uh, you know, a little bit of fist bumping here and there for a few folks, but, sure. uh, the engagement's really good. There's a uh, attendance seems, uh, seems to be strong here as well this year. So really excited just to be getting our industry back to some of these events and, uh, and catching up with colleagues. That's that's awesome, Scott. So then let's kind of transition out of SECO then into a little bit more of your background. So for people who don't know you, can you give, you know, the couple minute overview of like what you, what you do? Cause you have a really neat, uh, unique job in the industry. Well, uh, I appreciate that, Tyler. And uh, yeah, I'll give a little bit of background. Uh, as you know, you and I are connected uh, through through our educations uh, back sure. in Indiana. And um, so it, it's hard to see on a video camera, but I am 6'7". And uh, if you grow up in Indiana and you are 6'7", you better play basketball or something's oh, yeah. wrong with you. Um, so I, I'm very fortunate to have had that in my background uh, to be able to play basketball um, at a Division One level at Butler University and, uh, and, and just kind of had basketball throughout my life. And, and I believe that it's truly led to uh, many of the much of my focus, I should say, really today around leadership. Um, you get to see, you know, throughout all of my life, I've gotten to see how good coaches lead and, you know, maybe not so good coaches lead. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, through that. And, and you pick the good things, uh, just kind of like any optometry practice and any independent practice out there, you want to take the good things, uh, and put those into your practice. And maybe you see some things that you don't want and you just, uh, decide to, you know, throw those to the side and, and you, you build this great, um, environment and culture. So, um, you know, for me, uh, Tyler, finding optometry actually came at a really young age. Um, it, you know, I, I know we're talking about marketing today a little bit too, right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of what you do. Um, and I, I truly believe one of the best grassroots things for marketing is, uh, is an optometrist. And this is what happened to me. I, my mom took me to my grandmother's, uh, cataract evaluation and <laughs> the ophthalmologist popped me up on his knee and he said, you want to look into your grandmother's eyes? And I was fifth grade at the time. Uh, I said, absolutely. And I walked out of there that day and I told my mom I was going to be an optometrist. Uh, That's super uh, cool. 
Yeah. And uh, so it's something that, you know, continued to pursue throughout uh, my basketball career and was fortunate enough to find a really good optometry mentor. Uh, after leaving Butler University after a couple of years and playing basketball there, I, I finished up down at DePaul University, which is uh, in Greencastle, Indiana, about an hour west of Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and uh, had a wonderful basketball coach there. Uh, fortunate enough to uh, that team actually played in the national championship game at a Division three level. So it was, it was really good to be part of a, a team and a culture there that was uh, – just about as strong as it could possibly be and and really kind of uh, took a small community uh, along with our journey uh, to the national championship for division three and family optometry mentor in Greencastle, Indiana. Uh, He um, had gone to uh, Illinois College of Optometry. So he sent me up to Chicago. So went to Chicago for four years, came back to Noblesville, Indiana, uh, which is where my wife was from, who I'd met at college. And uh, fortunate enough to um, live in Noblesville uh, since that time, and uh, and really kind of uh, pursue pursue my optometry practice there as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so let's kind of so you how when you graduated college, like where did you or excuse me, optometry school, right? Where did you go from there? Did you start your own practice? Like, were you working for another practice? How did you sort of get to where you are right now? Yeah, it's always a big decision, right? When you're coming out of school, you know, where do you want to practice and what do you want to do? And uh, coming out of school for me, I think, was an assessment of, you know, what strengths I had and and what I felt like were probably weaknesses and how I could make those weaknesses better. So um, I wanted to be stronger in medical optometry. And uh, I had the opportunity to go work in an ophthalmology practice, uh, a two-owner ophthalmology practice in my wife's um, hometown, uh, which was fantastic. It uh, allowed me to see uh, two very distinct cultures in a, within one practice, uh, one with a, uh, a doctor who was soon to be retiring and just the most beloved um, physician that you could ever see. Uh, patients came in to, uh, you know, after years and years of a relationship with him, and uh, it was amazing you know, how he remembered their names, the things that he knew about their family and uh, just their desire to see him. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, contrast that with uh, an, an ophthalmologist that was growing into the practice, you know, still learning those patients and, um, you know, trying to gain that, that same type of, of culture and relationship base uh, to have with the patients. So um, it was a really good learning for me and to be in a setting of, of medical optometry uh, where we were, you know, doing uh, at the time, uh, RK procedures. And, uh, that was, I won't date, but that was, that was quite a while ago, uh, yeah. Tyler, uh but it was, uh, a really good learning experience for me. So I, I really kind of took those two years, strengthened my medical optometry. Uh, then, uh, one of my best friends from Butler university uh, was practicing, uh, at a, a practice in Broad Ripple, Indiana, which mm-hmm. is right off of the campus of Butler University. And it's it was a uh, an optometry practice I'd had my eyes on for a long, long time in the sense of uh, when you're driving to campus, you usually drive right by this practice. And it was kind of known for having the, uh, the, the most hip culture and the coolest frames and, uh, and really known for having a, uh, an optometrist there that was, 
wanting to grow, uh, really dedicated to uh, his contact lens ba- contact lens patients and base, and and really doing a lot of specialty uh, things, and, and really kind of thinking outside of the box when it comes to optometry. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to join that practice. Um, and it was Dr. Greg Ossip's practice in Indianapolis, and he said, "Scott, I'd love to uh, start a second location." And I'd like for you to do that um, in Fishers, Indiana, which was just a, uh, a near suburb of uh, Indianapolis, as you know, Tyler. Mm-hmm. So we started that. And 20 years later, there were uh, 36 locations um, across central Indiana. We had actually grown it to uh, 47 locations uh, between Indiana and Illinois, kind of divested the Illinois practices um, over that time. And uh, it really gave me the opportunity to grow, um, not only with it, with my own practice, right. Um, Independently and watching, you know, doing all of the things to grow our practice. And, you know, here's a, here's a very grassroots thing that we did at the time. Um, I remember Dr. Ossip handing me a, a box of flyers, yellow, the brightest yellow paper that you could find Yeah, yeah. and uh, come in for your exam. And uh, I think we were giving a discount on uh, I, either the, the exam process at the time and uh, you know, third party insurance wasn't as prominent. So uh, we were able to do that and, you know, really, kind of what the the idea of it was is come in and get an exam one time i'm willing to bet on myself as an optometrist mm-hmm. that we're going to develop a relationship and that you'll come back and see me and uh that really paid off it, it allowed for our practice to uh, grow quickly and it really set the foundation for all of the practices growth um, kind of throughout central indiana mm-hmm. yeah let's dig in on that a little bit because you have this unique experience of there's a lot of practices that are, you know, a one-off, maybe a doctor and some staff, maybe a handful of doctors, but with a single location um, and obviously running an operation with 47 different ones, you know, each office probably has its own culture kind of behaves a certain way, but like, what was that trajectory like for growth? I mean, so obviously you did some flyers. What else did you do to, you know, go from one to 47, right? Kind of at, at the end there, what'd that look like? Uh, uh, we were really fortunate in the, in the organization. We had just really good branding, uh, incredible mm-hmm. branding that was um, extreme, extremely recognizable. And I don't know if you remember this, Tyler, or not, or how much uh, time you spent down in the Broad Ripple, Indiana area. But uh, Dr. Ossip was probably one of the things he was most well known for was this incredible billboard. Um, you think about uh, the Great Gatsby and the eyeball in, in the Great Gatsby. Yep. Um, and so he, we had this huge billboard with this big eyeball on it that was made out of um, things you would pick up from a junkyard. Uh, so there was a canoe on there that hmm. represented a little bit of the, uh, the pupil. And that became, uh, we took a photograph of it. We put it on our recall cards and it really became what was the most recognizable element of uh, osmoptometry and the branding and allowed for a lot of future growth. We ended up putting another uh, large billboard um, around one of the suburbs, around the Fishers um, corridor of Indianapolis that had, again, a, a large metal clock to it that was shaped like an eye mm-hmm. and, uh, and allowed people you know, on their commute home to be able to see what time it was, um, in this big eyeball and it was time to get their eyes checked. Uh, so that's awesome uh, at, at our office. And, and I think that branding is, is really one of the things that probably Tyler, if I think about it was foundational mm-hmm. to a lot of the growth and, 
and I will also say too, I mean, you know, it wasn't all greenfield growth. It was practices that were wanting to be a part of the brand and, uh, and partner with their brand as well. And I think that is really probably what attracted a lot of the practices and, and doctors into the organization at the time. Okay. And just for context, how many of the practices that you guys started were either as a percentage, like kind of acquired, yeah. right? Versus yeah. like, hey, we're going to hire a doctor, hire staff, like go from zero to a hundred. Yeah, it was, uh, it was smaller on the on the, on the greenfield side, if you think about just opening an office cold, uh, it was, you know, at the time, let's say we got to 22 offices, I would say maybe a handful of those were, um, greenfields, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the rest were, uh, through partnerships and, uh, and, uh, practice transitions. Okay. Gotcha. And I I like what you said about the brand, because not only did your brand attract patients, right. But you Mm -hmm. also then it attracted other doctors or people who maybe wanted to, you know, get assistance or I I don't know, franchise is the right word, but sort of become part of what you guys were doing, uh, in a way that, that yeah, made, made sense. So it wasn't just, you know, customers, it was also, you know, opportunities on the employee and the acquisition side. Yeah. You know, you actually said something there, right? Like be part of what you were doing Mm -hmm. and it was to be part of a a culture. And I think, especially for independent optometry out there too, um, just connecting with others, it's, it's really, um, so critical today. And, uh, you know, I, I think to be able to consult, pick up the phone and, uh, you know, there are so many of my colleagues in Indiana, I remember, for instance, uh, two doctors and they were in the same small area of Indianapolis. Uh, they had two separate practices, but they would go eat lunch together every day and, uh, and then kind of, you know, take back the things that they learned back to their practices. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that we were doing at the time is we actually, um, partnered with both of those doctors and moved them into a brand new space. And it turned out to be a a great way to uh, build a practice um, Mm. and really help to further grow, grow a practice. So I, I think, you know, to be a part of something, to be able to have a, a network of colleagues to bounce ideas off of, to see best practices, um, share ideas and thoughts, but kind of know that you're not um, maybe necessarily out there by, by yourself on that, but also just to be part of a bigger culture as well. For sure. For sure. So how did you handle um, from like a branding standpoint, a lot of these practices maybe had their own brand or specifically you know, in mar- in marketing for practices, there's obviously the brand as in the, the logo and all that, but there's also the brand as in the doctor's particular reputation, especially yeah. for single practice founders, right? Who, you know, have a solid client base. How did you handle that transition to bringing them into the ASAP brand and not lose any of that, I guess, like um, intimacy? I don't know if that's the right word, but that a lot of these practice owners would have. Um, like, what did that transition look like? Yeah. You know, you just, uh, it, it, I think what you're trying to say, really, maybe the, the intimacy is, is really about the, the doctor-patient relationship, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, for me, uh, you just completely respect that at the highest level. And you, you don't do any anything to change that. And you don't do anything to change the clinical autonomy that a doctor has um, as well, you know this is the relationship that I've had with my patients over, over this many years, even as you become part of, you know, at the time, you know, when we were growing, uh, the, the awesome name and brand in Indiana, it was about, um, you know, them being part of that, but we really, 
allowed them to continue on with that doctor patient relationship. And we didn't interfere. We only tried to enhance it. Gotcha. Okay. That makes Does that sense. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So then I guess so, thanks for humoring my, uh, my kind of off course there, but I'm really curious because I think a lot of doctors see what something like OSEP has done. And I remember when, you know, we went to school together and we can get into that in a second, you know, OSEP was a big name, right. In, in the region. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. So anyway, so back to your story then. So you were with yeah. OSEP, they grew from basically the second practice, which you started all the way up to, to 47 and then uh, talk through what happened next. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that growth, because I think that that's probably what set me on my path. Uh, you know, one of the things that was happening at the time in optometry was, um, you know, we were growing from seven locations and next thing you know, it's 11, 14, and then all of a sudden it's 21 and 22. And now I have this uh, group of colleagues that I'm practicing with every day. And uh, Dr. Ossip at the time kind of charged me with uh, helping to educate and teach them around medical optometry. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a wonderful growth opportunity for me, but it's also really kind of my first opportunity, you know, probably at a young age when I was just practicing within my single office, I don't know that I recognized truly what leadership was. Uh, and until I started to work with my colleagues and really respect, um, leadership and all of the things that go along with that, um, while trying to educate around medical optometry, it was really kind of my first true foray of kind of recognizing that in a sense and, uh, and helping them grow their practices. You know, we were, we were growing the medical part of their uh, practices and it was helping the overall growth of, of their independent practices uh, of their practices with OSIP at the time. And, uh, we, we learned a lot from each other and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, for me, and I've said this throughout, um, it allowed me to kind of step into, you know, kind of a medical, medical directing role. And then ultimately, um, as we continue to grow the next thing, you know, we're up to 50 doctors in our, in our organization and yep. I kind of was examining Tyler. And I don't, I don't know why this is where our paths start to cross. Right. Um, with 50 colleagues, I was like, okay, how do I want to differentiate myself? And at the time Obamacare was happening and I just decided to make, um, the choice to kind of go further in my education and go get an MBA. Um, you know, not the most common thing, uh, in our profession of optometry today to, to go do, but I just kind of felt like it, it was something that would allow me to differentiate myself from my peer group uh, at the time, but also really benefit my peer group as well and, and understand the business aspects of, uh, of helping to grow their practice. So um, that's where our paths uh, crossed at um, Anderson uh, University in the Fall School of Business. Oh, yeah. Uh, and for me now, that's been, you know, the better part of a decade ago. And uh, what an incredible opportunity. I, I, Tyler, why did, why did you ever decide to go get an MBA? I don't know that you and I've ever had that part of uh, a conversation before. No. So that's a great question. Yeah. So you were doing, um, I think, the executive MBA, right? Because as I said, yeah. I mentioned earlier, you kind of had a, a real a big boy job right at that point. <laughs> um, I was uh, transitioning and I'd been out of undergrad because this was 2012, 2013, I think was when I did it like that school year that overlaps there. Um, so I had been in a separate industry around uh, production, like audio video production. I actually worked full-time at a church for a while, like was doing a lot of that and realized that that wasn't the uh, trajectory uh, that I wanted to be on from a career path. And yeah. so sort of did a, a hard stop and said, well, I want to get into business. And I had very little idea what business even meant. Right. Um, I didn't have uh, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in my circle, like people that I knew, you know, we, yeah. um, 
yeah. And so it was really uh, like, I don't know what else to do. So I'm going to go back to school sort of thing. Uh, and then I had a mutual friend who was, because uh, uh, I you did the executive, we did what's called the residential. So it's like a 10, yeah. 11 month, like hyper accelerated program, right? Um, yeah. So I had a friend who had done that four years before I did three years, you know, yeah. so I kind of called him and said, Hey, like, what is this program? Is it any good? You know? And he kind of talked me into it. I met with Dr. Pianchi, who at the time was the, um, I think maybe still is the um, director of that residential program, um, kind of weighed my options and said, well, you know, I don't know what else to do. Right. Frankly. And so I ended up uh, diving back into the MBA program overall it was a fantastic experience. It was unique because I studied entrepreneurship and business administration in undergrad. So in a lot of ways, it was, I don't want to say a rehash. I mean, it certainly was more advanced than, I, but it was sort of, a, you know, a, the, the cherry on top rather than all the stuff I'm hearing new for the first time. And I think that's, what's fundamentally different when people ask me about an MBA, it's okay. An MBA is really good if you don't have the business background, right? If you tend to get a master's in chemistry, right? Or as you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, a doctor, they tend to expect you to have some like pre-med stuff. And then you just build on that. An MBA is often for doctors or chemists or somebody who wants to learn business. So, um, so it, it certainly was challenging and, and I learned a lot, but it also was an opportunity to really solidify stuff that I'd already learned and either forgotten or just hadn't had a chance to put into practice. Yeah, I think that's probably a lot of the way it was for me too, right? I, I'd been out in the real world practicing. There was this, you know, small real world MBA that was already yeah. kind of in existence. And and then to be able to really formalize it and understand the, the basic principles and concepts of uh, business administration was, was really helpful for me. But I think on, honestly, the thing that I is most memorable for me going through my MBA is, is exactly what you and I have here, right? Like mm -hmm. the connections that you meet with those in your cohort or those that you're going through the program with. And, you know, I was really fortunate at the time, our program director, and, and it's such a big influence on everything that I do today was Jeff Buck. And, you know, Jeff um, had a, uh, as the director of the, the MBA program, he had a strong HR background. I don't know if you remember that. Um, Tyler. I remember Jeff. I, I think I was maybe in one class with him. I, I didn't know him super well, but. Yeah. And uh, he had a big influence on me. And it, it's funny how, how often that influence of uh, HR, you know, I, I utilize and, and really kind of call on today, but, you know, thinking about the people that I went through the cohort with of um, some coming from government, some from the auto industry, mm -hmm. um, uh, the tool industry, uh, and just bringing a different perspective to my education that I hadn't had, you know, kind of being focused solely on healthcare before it really had a big influence. And I, it's amazing how many of those folks I've stayed connected with over the years. And actually one of my, uh, cohort members, uh, Jimmy Lake is now the program director. So it's, it's really cool to see the evolution of, uh, That's of the awesome. program there. Yeah, that is really cool. So, you know, in your, in your day to day, right. Cause I think this is a question. A lot of, uh, folks are like, Hey, I maybe want to get an MBA or a business degree. Like what do you, in your position now? And I know you're, you tend to be in more leadership, which we'll get to in a second than maybe seeing patients on, on the regular. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but what part of that do you use? Like what was the most valuable, um, Apart from the MBA, but beyond the connections, uh, honestly, Tyler, I think it, it falls back to um, leadership. 
and uh, and really, uh, you know, I'll say leadership and maybe strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it probably two things that it, it just helped to crystallize for me in a in a big way. Um, you know, at the time, I'll, I'll kind of finish that off. So you and I are getting our MBAs. We both graduate, and for me, you know, the, my organization was continuing to grow. So I moved into it. it really opened a new door for me. I, I moved into a medical officer role in our organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time I, I really did, um, start to give up a lot of my clinical administrative or, or clinical duties yeah. uh, to be able to, uh, work at an administrative level. And then, um, two years before our partnership, um, awesome optometry's partnership with my eye doctor, I, I, I guess it was about a year. I moved into a chief operating officer role as well. And that's just something that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if I didn't have that background. And, yeah. uh, you know, today, uh, one of the things I'm really proud of that I have the opportunity to do is, is work with the uh, Indiana University School of Optometry um, with their practice excellence program and, and sit at a uh, uh, kind of an advisory board level for their um, combined uh, MBA um, uh, OD program. So it's uh, it's a, a treat to be able to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um so then let's dive into to leadership because that's your your bread and butter, right? I mean, that's what you're really spending most of your day doing right now. Um, you know, so I guess, you know, these are big, maybe vague questions, but I think maybe defining what leadership is and then then diving more uh, more deeply into the nuance of it. So I guess as you, you know, sit in this role, like, and you say leadership, what do you mean by that from a, I don't know, I guess a practical standpoint? Yeah, I think it's it's evolution of, of who you are over time, right? And um, the things that you want to take of, you know, this period of my life and, and the, the values that go along with that and then what you want to put into your leadership. And I'll, I'll, I'll use an example. Um, and at the time, I had no idea the, the impact that this was having on me. And today, I really hope that it... Um, my son, I have a 12 year old son who greatly loves basketball and, and we get the opportunity to go and, and spend uh, some Saturdays down at uh, Hinkle field house and, and go watch mm-hmm. some Butler basketball games. But yeah. um, you know, when I was there, uh, Barry Collier was coming in today's current athletic director. And, you know, he, he really introduced some guiding principles that were called the Butler way. And uh, you know, it's, it's really become closely associated with, you know, Butler basketball, these five principles. And, and today, like they're the values of, I, I think a lot of the leadership that I try to embody, you know, it goes humility. Um, gosh, you know, today I think about my role um, at my eye doctor and how many patients you, you get to influence. And, you know, I understand again, what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And that's why you have to surround yourself with those that can help, um, especially with your weaknesses, but, you know, you know, humility, passion, um, you know, there's, there has to be a commitment to excellence, uh, when it comes to leadership, um, unity, that's just part of kind of, mm-hmm the evolution of, you know, putting the team first and always putting your team first. So to me, it's a, a really strong principle of, uh, of leadership that one has to have. And then servanthood, right? Like, you know, always making your teammates better in any way that you possibly can and, and really lead by example and lead by giving. And then the last is, you know, just thankful um, for everything that you, you have in every circumstance that you're put in to be able to, uh, to give back. And, uh, there was a, I had the opportunity 
uh, gosh, I think it's probably been five years ago now, Tyler. I, I met a um, author of a book. His name was Adam Friedman. He's, he was out of Chicago at the time, and he came down to Indianapolis with me. And uh, he he's the author of a book called The Science of Story. Hmm. And uh, you know, and how he there's a quote in the book. It goes, "Purpose inspires, values guide, and habits define." Hmm. And you know, I, I was really fortunate in my optometry career, I met someone at Alcon um, who at the time was introducing Simon Sinek and, and, you know, start with why into the mm-hmm. Alcon organization and really connected with that um, book, especially around leadership and just purpose on, you know, why we do what we do and, you know, and how our values are there to help us achieve that purpose. So for me, that's kind of how I think about leadership. Um, I think it's, it is continually evolving um, mm-hmm. over time and the things that you want to be able to bring to your team and do. And, you know, I, I am in a really fortunate position to be able to work with some amazing people uh, today at my eye doctor. And I guess, you know, as we continue on our journey of, of my, uh, of my career, and when we partnered with my eye doctor, it's, it'll be four years this summer. And, uh, you know, I, I think about the opportunity and the responsibility that goes along from having a practice. This, this is where the leadership piece comes into me. And I, I had two new, uh, two new um, colleagues join the leadership team this week. And this is exactly what I told them on the call. I said, you know, when I had my own practice, I was responsible for somewhere between three to 6,000 patients. Mm-hmm. When I started to, um, lead my colleagues that were around me. And and all of a sudden that was, you know, a group of 10. Now I'm responsible for the care uh, of, you know, 60,000 patients. And when when that continues to grow and and now you're leading a group of uh, it's time with also, you know, upwards of 80 doctors, you can, you can take that number. And now it's in the hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. And then today, um, you know, just, very humbly to be able to serve the millions of patients that we do across the country at my eye doctor. Um, that's the responsibility that goes along with leadership is making sure that all of those patients have incredible outcomes, mm-hmm. but also that our uh, providers have a clinical environment to be able to offer their patients the best outcomes as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So talk to um, maybe the skeptic, right? You know, if it's a doctor running their own practice and they're like, yeah, I mean, leadership's great, but like, why do I need to focus on it? Like things are going okay as they are. Like, why should I really invest time, effort, energy, you know, into this? I guess, what would, what would you say to that? <laughs> I would say uh, it, it absolutely all starts with culture. And I think it can be done um, very simply uh, in a lot of ways, right? Like it doesn't have to be some large program that you put in place, like for a practice. It's, it's really about trying to do the right thing. You know, one of the things I remember doing when I was practicing daily and it was, you know, the two offices at the time and my, my team would make fun of me because every morning I would come in, I would stop in, I would talk to my general manager and then I would walk around and talk to everybody in the office. And as I did that, I would kind of pick up the office and and clean things and go out and organize the magazines. And I think sometimes they, they just laid paper punches around the office for, to see if how many of those I would pick up every morning. Um, But I I say that because the engagement with your team Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just saying, you know, 
great job yesterday or great job today or how you cared for that patient was exactly uh, what we should try to do for all of our patients. I learned really quick. Um, you know, I was reading things in our journals and trying to have, have uh, staff meetings and team meetings on a, a weekly basis. And early on, it, this is just from immaturity. I think I was, I would be talking to the team and I, w- I was always focused on the things that we weren't doing right. Hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you know what, after about nine months of uh, those things being talked about and nothing changing, I, I decided I'm, I've got to change this. I, I've got to go about it in a different way. And we started to focus on all of the things that we do well and we do right. Hmm. And you know what happened, Tyler? All the, all, yeah, all the other things probably started to resolve themselves for the most part. That's exactly right. It, it just kind of starts to, um, to make it bleed away. And, uh, and then you're focused on all of the good things. And now you, you've got this great culture. And I think you know, being thankful and, and really acknowledging your team on what they do. Patient care is not easy. There's nothing about optometry is easy. It is, it is complex. Um, and we have to recognize that every day with our teams, especially in today's environment. And, you know, I, I, there's a, uh, a stat that I, I give um, to our organization when I speak, and there were, there were two polls. Um, this was uh, from a, a, a book that I had read, and there was a, a Ganey Satisfaction Report and a Gallup Organization poll, and this is a few years ago, but like the top 10 drivers of patient satisfaction. Number one and number two on the list both start with team. Hmm. And, and how cheerful they are and how well your team works together. Interesting. So, you know, if, if you start with leadership being that, being developing a team in your office and developing, you know, the culture that you want, I, I don't think it has to be something that's harder than harder than it needs to be. I think it can be something pretty simple. And I, I, I believe ultimately that if you do that the right way, it, it comes through in the care for your patients and the behaviors of your team and how you treat people. And, uh, and that's why to me, the leadership aspect of what I do today is, is so important. Yeah. Well, I like what you said. I mean, I, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, right. With like, I think selfishly, you kind of think about leadership, like, Oh, I need to be a good leader or it almost is a focus on, on yourself, right? For me, at least. But really, ultimately, being a leader is about just empowering your team. Like being a leader is fundamentally just not, like you said, with humility, not being about yourself, but giving everyone else what they need to succeed, right? Yeah, which I think and you read about that oftentimes, right? It's mm-hmm. leadership is about others. And, and I, I think that that's always, always going to be the case. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hop back into your story then. So you were at OSEP, you go from one to 47 practices and then, then what happens? Yeah. So, uh, 2018, July of 2018, uh, we partner with, uh, the, my eye doctor family and, uh, our CEO, Sue Downs, um, at, at the time really, uh, was already present in the uh, Chicago market and, and kind of needed to fill in the Indiana market and what better way to do it than, than with our organization. And it, it's just been a, a wonderful partnership and, and really marriage at, at this point. Um, it, it's, you know, 
It's been so good for the Indianapolis community. I'm so proud of uh, everything that my eye doctor has been able to do um, for the community. And uh, I think it it really represents, you know, the vision that Dr. Ossoff always had for the practice to carry on and live on as well. Mm -hmm. So then do you still primarily work in the Indianapolis area or are you now, I guess maybe the the best question is a, what's your title and B kind of, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the title. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to become part of the team as the vice president of professional services. And, and what that means is I, I lead all of our daily clinical operations. So I lead a group of optometrists who are uh, present in our practices um, on a daily basis and uh, really there to uh, support, assist, engage with uh, all of our doctors on, on the clinical side. Hmm. Um so it's uh, so it is a, um, a humbling experience with uh, well over a thousand doctors in the organization at this point in time, wow. and uh, and, I, and I, here's a here's a good story of leadership, Tyler. You ask, you know, where where am I at today? I I am still in Indianapolis, and uh, this made a huge impact on me. It was really kind of the first time that I'd been out to uh, Vienna. Uh, Virginia. And uh, we were discussing my role. And I remember um, Sue coming into the room and the first thing she said is, Scott, you don't have to move. She goes, I want you to stay with your family. And uh, she goes, I know how important that is to you. And uh, that's cool. Yeah. To just be able to, uh, you know, put down roots and keep your roots right where you built up so many professional and personal connections there in Indianapolis. Yeah. It's, uh, so she had me hooked on, uh, on, on leadership at that point and certainly her leadership. So yeah, that was a a really powerful moment. Awesome. Um, so then you, then you're national or, I mean, my eye doctor, I know is national, but your responsibility then is over all thousand plus doctors nationally that you help empower basically right in the professional services side. Uh, We're there to serve all of them. So 28 States and, uh, over 800 practices at this time. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, congrats on the, on the transition. Um, so let's talk about, you know, this is a marketing podcast. And so when you go in and you work in the, with these doctors who, um, have partnered up with my eye doctor, um, what are the growth levers, right? Like from a leadership standpoint, you know, I know there's other people on team, I'm sure really take care of marketing, but when you look at a practice that has just partnered with you guys, what are sort of the first things that you say, look, these are the most common issues we need to start addressing to really help this practice develop a better culture, to thrive, to grow. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, every practice is, is so individual, Tyler. Uh, there's not a, um, a, a one answer kind of fits all or solution towards that. I think you have to look at every practice um, being as individual as it is and, and the, the culture that's been there, the, uh, the team that's been leading that office, the community that it's based in uh, really uh, makes everyone as individual as our fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to recognize those things and, you know, for us, you know, one of the values of our organization is uh, around um, connecting knowledge. And what that means is uh, every opportunity that we get to partner with someone and and partner with the practice is an opportunity for us to learn. Hmm. And uh, so we, we can take the things that, you know, that practice does extremely well. And then 
you know, kind of like I was saying about myself, you know, you, you assess your strengths and your weaknesses, and then you look to say, here's, here's an area of something that we've learned from other practices that we can actually share with you um, to be able to help. I'll tell you at the end of the day, um, you know, we can help with the larger marketing of uh, the, my eye doctor brand uh, being there. Uh, and there's, always when you have a brand uh, that's what patients come to expect out of a brand like right there this is why i go to this brand starbucks for example right you know what's going to be on the menu um you know the expectation of a brand and i think that's what my eye doctor has allowed us to do however when you walk in the door the doctor's name's on the door right and that culture of the doctor, that trusted community doctor that you have um, is there uh, to be able to um, st- still take care of you and still have the, the same uh, strong uh, relationship that he's uh, always had as a, a doctor and, and the patient. So, um, and I think a lot of that, I don't know, I'll, I'll get your thoughts. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to the expert here. So uh, I, I think a lot of it still comes back though, to so much of the accountability of the grassroots things, right. Mm-hmm. You know, not being afraid to, to ask for, um, uh, referrals from patients, uh, not being afraid to ask to bring in the rest of the family and, and really also engaging in, in the community. But a lot of it, even, you know, partnering with uh, a, my eye doctor and a well-known brand like that, I still believe so much of it. You have to be accountable to your own individual practice, your own grassroots marketing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's what we see with a lot of the practices we work at. I mean, ultimately it's the patient base, it's the grassroots. Uh, that's going to be a big part of it. I mean, other big opportunities are around, you know, new patient generation, but that's expensive and it takes time, but the big areas there are search, right? So people Googling, Hey, I need an eye exam, eye doctor, whatever that looks like. Um, and then kind of like what you were talking about with your flyers back in the day, right now, a lot of that's digital, but like discounts or special offers or opportunities to just get somebody in the door and build that relationship, knowing that from a business standpoint, over the life of the business, they're going to bring in family friends, like they're going to be a valuable uh, resource. And then I think the big one, which you kind of alluded to as well, is just follow up, right? Like, okay, yeah. you maybe, you know, in a year you send one postcard and somebody forgets to book, but like, can you send them an email? Can you send them a text? Like, you know, we're all busy, right? We throw away mail, we get, you know, we get a bunch of junk and spam. Like, so, you know, not badgering people, but just being really proactive to say like, look, it's your eye health. Like this matters. Like this is a huge quality of life thing. Like come back and see us. We'd love to see you. Um, and really kind of reactivating people who, you know, have gone dormant for whatever reason, right. Are kind of the yeah. big things we see. Absolutely. I think that last point is a really good one. I was actually making that point at a practice I was visiting uh, in one of our markets recently. And, you know, the practice is located in a very um, well-known, really kind of retail center, uh, much like my original practice was. And uh, we were talking with the doctor and the general manager of the practice. And, you know, we asked the question, was the last time you kind of went and visited all the businesses that are around you? And uh, it had been I can't remember. I think it was somewhere between a year and 18 months. And if you think, you know, if you think about that and and you know, kind of the statistics of retail that are out there and how much Mm -hmm. turnover happens in a retail and and everything that's happened, you know, over the the last several crazy couple of years. Yeah. yeah, right. Like (laughs) Probably the chances are the people that you talk to, it's highly likely they're not there anymore and you need to go, you need to go kind of make that new connection with someone new that's there. Uh, because, um, if you're still counting on what you did 
18 months ago, Mm -hmm. probably not going to get the best return out of that. No, that's a good point. Um, so Scott, personal growth, how do you, I mean, obviously leadership is always developing, you know, you're, you're in it day to day, but books, podcasts, you know, resources, like how do you kind of keep up, um, with like the, you keep your skills sharp, maybe for lack of a better term. Well, I I think one of the things is, uh, the people that you surround yourself with, right. Like Mm -hmm. I, I will probably get from, uh, the team that I get to work with. I will get a podcast shared. I will get a book recommendation, uh, almost on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, those connections have brought so many incredible people, uh, into my life that you get to work with and, uh, and be a part of, but I, I am an avid re- reader. I love to read. Uh, so there is not any time, uh, of the year that I'm not actually listening to a book or reading a book or multiple books at one time. And, uh, when I find time for a podcast, I certainly love to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well. A little quick story for you, Tyler, is uh, this first podcast I've ever been on. This has been great. Thank well, thanks you. for, yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, uh, so one of the uh, things I did in preparation, you know, again, I guess a little bit of the values is always being prepared. So um, I, I have the, the fortune of being connected uh, somewhat loosely to uh, Ryan Hawk from the, the Learning Leader podcast. And uh, I, I reached out to him. We were in an email conversation recently and I said, hey, Ryan, I'm getting ready to be a guest with, uh, with Tyler. And, uh, you know, what advice would you have um, for someone that's, uh, you know, what advice do you offer your guest on, on the Learning Leader? And, uh, you know, Ryan kind of said, you know, think about compelling stories, but he sent me a great article, uh, Tyler, and the, the article was, ironically enough, it was about um, Martin Short being the greatest talk show guest of all time. Wow. And, uh, and really kind of the article was about Martin Short and Steve Martin's preparation for when they would make guest appearances on Letterman or Carson back in the way, way back in the day and, uh, or Jimmy Fallon or any of those shows. And, but they would always be prepared when the mic came on. And, uh, so one of the, it was really interesting. I remember reading in the article that, um, for a typical talk show appearance, which what probably is five minutes, maybe that yeah, not with, long, uh, Martin short would prepare and send in to, uh, to Letterman, like 18 pages of material. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and maybe it's a good point for the show today too, is just, how much has to go in to make something really successful. Mm. And, you know, and because of that, you know, many probably would say that Martin Short's like one of the best guest show speakers uh, of all time. So it's, uh, I thought that was a good article that that Ryan had shared. And, um, you know, it's funny because I'd been, I just finished uh, uh, his, his book, his new book that he, that he has out. And um, so it's been a a good relationship uh, that we're starting to uh, foster with that too. That's awesome. Yeah. If you, uh, after we're done here, if you want to forward me that, uh, that article, I'll link it in the show notes. I'd be happy to do that. So then on the book side, um, what, uh, so Ryan Hawk's book, what are you business books, fiction, nonfiction? Like what, what are you kind of filling your head with? Yeah, um, I am uh, totally a nonfiction. I love business books. I love leadership books. Um, sometimes I'll throw it over to athletics. Yeah, I, so mm. Ryan Hawk's book that I I was just um, talking about, his new one is called The Pursuit of Excellence. Um, it, it's a he talks um, and, and shares stories from all of his guests uh, that he's had on his uh, podcast over the years. Uh, another book that I just received from uh, Sue Downs and and I really enjoyed. 
Uh, it was from Adam Grant called Think Again. Uh, <laughs> fantastic book. Um, you know, I really love Dan and Chip Heath's books, you know, like Upstream and The Power of Moments. Love The Power of Moments. Uh, a yeah. great book uh, to be thinking about, especially around marketing, right? Like mm-hmm. what you can do to um, uh, really make uh, for a great patient experience. That's awesome. Yeah. And one of them that I recommend when I talk to a lot of leaders as well, and this is an old, I mean, this is 20, 30 years old is the E-Myth. Have you ever read the E-Myth? Yeah, I've read the E-Myth. You yeah, know, it's been and, a while. <laughs> yeah, when, but you know, it's that idea of moving from like, especially with doctors, right? You're a doctor, you're seeing patients to like, okay, you're not working um, in the business, you're working on the business, business. right? Like, yep. you know, those are great. And then obviously I have shelves, like you can't see them because there's two bookshelves over here, two bookshelves over here, all with like business and marketing and copywriting and, and all the things, you know? And I think, you know, thinking back to the MBA program before that, like I would read some fiction, like but really, I think it was that year where I really started to like sit down with business books and read because it was the first time I think I was really trying to like find specific solutions to problems, right? And to once you kind of have a craft, then, you know, whether it's leadership or marketing or even being a doctor, right? You start, uh, if you love it and you actually enjoy what you're doing, for me, I spent a lot of time just reading about it and trying to understand, well, how do, you know, how do gyms market? How do, you know, big software companies market? Yeah. Like what, you know, sales and marketing, how do they work together? And you end up just you know, going down all these little rabbit holes and threads, but then you get these little nuggets that then apply, right. To something in a totally different area that you'd never thought of before. At least that's how it works for me. No, I think it's exactly right for me too. I, you know, I try to take things out of the book and then, you know, that becomes part of the, the leadership focus, uh, and and you're sharing those things with other people. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a, a wonderful way to, um, continue, uh, to better yourself yeah. and to, uh, to search for ways, um, to help again, to, to improve others. Right. And help, help those around you. Yeah. That's awesome, Scott. So, um, any, you know, from your position of leadership is if you were working with, you know, another small practice, like, and we kind of covered this a little bit, but I guess any parting words of advice or just things, uh, that you'd pass along to, to doctors who are sort of growing their practice and trying to, you know, transition from that working in the practice to more working on the practice. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think it's just truly the, this, the most simple of things is just thank your team, thank your patients. Hmm. And uh, I, I think starting there and uh, really recognizing those that are around you uh, really sets a, a strong foundational culture within our practice on yeah. um, what patients can expect and uh, what the people that are working with you and around you can, can expect as well. So I, I would start with, you know, that very simple, simple message, right? Just thank you. Yeah. And I love that. And because I think it's something I know for me, I take uh, for granted, even with our team, like, Hey, that landing page you built was great. Hey, that, you know, that, uh, I know that patient was difficult, but like, Hey, thanks for, you know, thanks for going the extra mile with them, you know, even though they had 50 million questions or whatever, right? Like whatever tends to happen in the practice. So cool. Well, Scott, any other, uh, final thoughts before we wrap this up? Hey, this has been fantastic, Tyler. You know, who would have known uh, when we went through our MBA program years ago that we would be sitting here almost a decade later, uh, you with a, a podcast. And uh, it, it, I'm certainly uh, humble and uh, grateful and thankful that you asked me to join you here today. So thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, making the time. I know you're at Seco. There's lots of important people you could be meeting and things to do, but I really appreciate you taking some time out. So Scott, thanks a ton. 
Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, this is Tyler again. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you've made it this far, hopefully you got a lot of value out of this. Look, there's an opportunity for you to grow your practice. Um, We don't know managing a practice. It's not our ballgame. But at optometrymarketing.com, we are really, really, really good at growing practices and doing it through marketing. Uh, Search, engagement, paid social, all the channels that you need to be on, we know about them. We would love to chat with you about it. So if anything struck a chord and you're like, man, I really need to step up, take more leadership, and I really want to grow this practice or or this business that I'm involved in, please reach out to us. The best way to do that is optometrymarketing.com. Schedule a call, fill out the form. We're happy to chat with you. We'd love to do it. Anyway, talk to you soon.